everybody and welcome to episode 88 of Run to the Hills, a podcast sponsored by Cheer Charge. Cheer Charge have been fueling adventures with real food made with real ingredients since 2012. Go and check them out, especially their new peanut butter and jam bars. Yet to test, sent a little message to Tim saying, going to talk about them on the podcast. Yet to test, he hasn't replied. But I'm sure that if I sent a box, I would eat them within a day. Go and check them out at www.cheercharge.co.uk. Hi, everybody. Have you missed us? Clearly not. We've just looked at the stats. Looked at the stats, yeah. <laughs> Make no difference. <laughs> I did think, I did think people wouldn't have known that we weren't going to Twitter. When they downloaded that one, they wouldn't have gone. Because if you download it, then presumably they might not. Does that mean they've listened to it or it just like automatically downloads? Well, that's to a good question, actually. Mine automatically downloads. I think it's just as long as it's a download. I don't think you physically have to listen to it. But uh... No, so they still might have had that wave of disappointment when they realised. We still managed to talk quite a bit. Well, you know, we could have done. I thought in, in reflection when I listened back to it, we could have at least done upcoming races or something like that because we could have preempted a bit of... Uh... I think, to be honest, Gary... Let's be honest, as we always like to be with our listeners, we're in a little bit of a rush because we've done like four interviews in one week. Oh, goodness. Yeah, and I forgot. We've done the podcast of that week. And I think by the time we got around to doing that, we both had lost the will to be honest. <laughs> it so it happens. People understand that. That's real life. Don't worry, everybody. We're not going away anytime soon unless we're fired. There's always that in the background. <laughs> I shouldn't uh, laugh about stuff like that. <laughs> we shouldn't laugh. Uh, how you doing? What are you doing? Oh, he's been whining. He's tired. So just prepare yourself. Everybody. Oh, I'm super tired. Yeah. Big Saturday and Sunday over the lakes. I did a lake 100 recce, which is good. Do your family I... go, hi, dad. Like, what are you oh, doing? I'm super. Yeah. I can't, you know. Yeah, well, you get shoulder. <laughs> if I went both days of the weekend, Bryn would be like. <laughs> well, I do. Um, this is my little stuff that I do when I'm filming I don't think it's work, Eddie. It's not all fun, but it takes me to lovely places. <laughs> but I did a Lakeland 100 recce from Braithwaite to the Brennan Cathra Centre. Then Robbo and I did a big um, run. Yes, Sunday, my goodness me. So we went up to Capels and then Cozy Pike and looped all the way around to Buttermay and then went up Robinson. And oh, of course, I, my, it was bank holiday, wasn't it? I was like, yes. how? This is incredible. Okay, yes, yeah, sorry. And we got like about seven thousand feet in that in that uh, five and a half hours out, which was it was such an awesome day. Really good. It was quite funny actually. Neil, like the classic. We got stopped by some tourists um, who were a little bit confused in with their location, and Neil had his phone upside down, and nearly got them even more lost. <laughs> Luckily, we zoomed out and got uh, dome water at <laughs> the right side because well, we were sending them down to Newland Valley, not to uh, Port and Scale. It's quite quite funny, but yeah, loads of miles. Another Lo- tourist question. I get it all the t- in the winter all the time, and I'm so tempted to go. Oh no, no, no! You're totally wrong. You need to turn right back. It's forty k down the next day. Yeah, yeah. Oh goodness. Yeah, when people do ask you that, it's like, oh yeah, where's um so and so? What? And you just think, oh well, they are. They've got a, they've got a journey to get back. So yeah, two big days. Oh, that was good. And then last week I got some heavy flexing with my silverware behind me. Sedgefield, we we got our uh, cross country. They have the start fitness presentation for the cross country in the shop. 
Yeah, in the, in the shop. I think it's uh, well, they sponsor the whole uh, cross country series. So it's did you try and pick up a few freebies? Were you like, oh, you know, I do a podcast. <laughs> no <laughs> basket. <laughs> <laughs> if only, if only that. I didn't. We didn't get anything actually, apart from the the moon you got Two trophy. massive trophies. Jeez, you've become. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> so that's awesome. You know, Sedgefield have been chipping away for ages and uh, second place doesn't get a trophy, as we found out a few years ago when we went up thinking we'd get a fuss <laughs> made of us. <laughs> How come you've got the trophy? Did you have to rip it out of other people's hands and be like, I want it? Well, Sedgefield doesn't have like some kind... It was only Justin, Justin and I went up there. Um, and Sedgefield doesn't have like a, a, a place, a hub yet. They're building the track, so maybe there'll be something there formally where there'll be a trophy cabinet. But at the moment, it doesn't. And I thought, well, let's get it on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> and then I got my individual performance of the year, which I feel a bit, I feel a bit cheeky taking it because anyone who knows the Bob Graham round, it's not an individual day out. At least, you know, there's Neil, both of us there doing it, and then all the people who supported us along the way. So, although, yes, unfortunately, Neil is not a member of Sedgefield Harriers, so I took it home. But yeah, big thanks to everybody else who helped out, and also everyone with the Harriers League. You know, there's these, I think you pay about five pounds for a seasons of running, and even Sedgefield pick up the tab, and then everybody's volunteering who does it, and the winter in the northeast isn't the best <laughs> lots of mud wind and rain so all those people who make it possible for us to go out and run um yeah thanks very much for that uh and i did so you know all my um youtubing i do when i film stuff it's your work for your work my work yeah well i filmed the they asked me to go along to the sedgefield harriers relays and finish the start and finish area um and it film, was you film the start and finish area is that what you mean yeah, what did I yeah. say? You said finish the finish area. Did I? Oh, oh yeah, film it. But, but so basically, when um, the the change of just in case there's any kind of controversy or people um, question the times, and uh, there was a few athletes who wanted to confirm their times afterwards, so my footage was used. And um, I have to say, that's probably the most useful my GoPro has ever been in anything that did I've you ever done. Did you stand there, or did you like fix it to a? Fixed yeah, point. I stood there with a tripod. I took loads of photographs, actually, so hopefully somebody, I captured somebody being athletic, but it was really annoying that um, when people finished, they just stood in front of the camera, so I couldn't... Yeah. Oh, my God, did they not realise what you were doing? <laughs> yeah, it's like the movie. And they were like, this is, don't invite that really angry it's cameraman back again. Yeah, it was great, actually, used it. This could be a new venture for you, Gary. They do it across country, it's quite funny. I see a day after the the, the, the day of the cross country, there's, somebody, there's always someone saying, oh, Oh, yeah, my son Toby finished ahead of the Morpeth oh, athlete, oh. and then a, and then twenty seconds later, there's a photograph saying no, he didn't. <laughs> Basically, it's all on it's yeah. all on camera. Yeah, yeah. So it's good. Yeah, I enjoyed that, and um, I think yeah, like I say, two big weeks. Two, I think last week must have been about seventeen thousand feet of elevation, well over 20, 20 hours of exercise. I can't complain. Um, How's the body feeling? Exhausted. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Generally exhausted. I might do, see, normally for me, a workout will be Tuesdays and Thursdays. That's the classic. But I'm finding because of the weekends are so big, I'm having to push that workout to see maybe when. Warrior now, Gary. Yeah, like a week. Oh, a Wednesday. And then you're just useless during the week. <laughs> Come across many middle aged men like you. <laughs> 
I was shattered last night just sitting watching the TV I was just like well like the nodding dog my head was head was gone but uh, yeah I, I will do the workout today I, will, I might do something on the bike and then do my session which is ooh, I think it's like a three times 12 minutes so they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger we went on our little family holiday break to uh the greater town of London which um, was a bit random. I know loads of people wouldn't choose to go to London for a week with, you know, most people would go to beautiful places. Well, that's not saying that's not a beautiful place, but, you know, we it, it was so different from where we live. So we wanted the kids to have a bit of town, to have a bit of England phonism, yeah, Anglophonism, um, and to go on buses and trains, because I think it's quite important that they might want to go and live in England when they're older. They probably will. And um, that they know a little bit about the English like geography and London and the tube and how it works. And uh, that all took them about five minutes to then be like, oh, we're just getting the circle line and then the central line yeah uh but we went hard we went hard i mean i we went we had some lovely family time and then we did i mean if you name the tourist things to do in london top 20 i reckon we did them uh we did imperial war museum tower of london london aquarium we did a west end show we did london zoo what did you see what show did you see saw matilda Sick. I'll say four out of five of the Suttons really enjoyed it. I think you can tell the one that sat there going, I'm going to get another beer. Uh, <laughs> and one particular Sutton really enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, we did a ton. Legoland. I mean, we did everything. Windsor, Bucky, Changing God at Buckingham Pass. We did. The kids were over-sensorized, plus all the walking and yeah. the traveling to get everywhere. Guess how much? So we started this tourist campaign probably Sunday and we flew home on the Saturday. So Sunday to Friday, guess how far we walked? Because I oh, had... You've got to be like 100 miles. You could be easy to do that idea. Close. 130K we walked, whatever that oh. is. 80, um, yeah. 80 miles, probably a bit more. Um, yeah, we did a, between 25,000 and 30,000 steps a day. Excellent. The poor kids. They've been in ski boots all winter and their calves and their Achilles. They were like, <laughs> oh my God, my <laughs> and we do stuff like we went to London Zoo, but we walked there. And by the time we got there, we'd walked 10K. I was like, oh, poor Evie. Yeah. She's now going to do like four hours around the zoo and her legs. So we fed them a lot of calories, but it was good because we were eating such rubbish. Even the last day, the kids were like, no more. We don't want any tea. We've done, <laughs> done, we've done every snackery, every eatery, because we just don't have that here. We don't have like the shops, the food shops. Yeah. We don't have the delivery. No, I don't think we did a delivery, but we don't have that like instant food. And when you go to a restaurant, it's just not the amount. I mean, it's just okay. So, a couple of things I thought during the week, because I'm going to talk to Gary about the scariness about the difference. I haven't been back to London for maybe like three years. Everything is like on a card scanner again we don't have that oh i don't like this oh my gosh everything so i sent you the picture didn't i of the charity boxes yeah uh, (laughs) that was at the imperial war museum um and which is a lot four hours is a long time when you can't read at the imperial war museum when you're six to seven and you have to go around everything 
Evie did very well at that one because there was a lot of reading exhibitions. It's a heavy museum for a seven-year-old, yeah. Yeah, it was good. It was loads of like vehicles and stuff. She liked that, but she'd had enough by the time we hadn't even, we never even made all the floors. We had to go to the cafe, which I never minded. But everything was touch payment. Like there was no cash anywhere. Yeah which is not the same. I don't know about the rest of France, but where we are, that was quite like um, even the buskers like in Covent Garden. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, with their scanners. I was like, oh, we're not sure about that, but there wasn't any cash. Um, um, and the, just all the people. Oh, my God. So I went for... We were busy. We'll talk about running now. Um, so before we went, I took another week off running and just biked. I actually felt quite good on my bike by the end of that week. I think I did about 10 hours and I was like, oh, I'm starting to feel like I'm push a bit. Um, But then of course I didn't have any bike or any access to cross training in London. So I, um, I took a few rest days. I did my core and I was like, I'm just going to try and run and see what happens. And it was truly awful. Um, not helped by the fact, I think we were walking on concrete all day on our feet yeah. all day. And so I was trying to run and literally like some of the runs, I was like hobbling. It was awful. I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, uh, and, and I stopped doing my Achilles exercises because then I just started eating takeaway by the end of the week. I was like, Anyway, we've turned the page again now. We've come back. I went to see my um, sports therapist lady on Sunday when we came back and she gave me such a talking to. Eddie, she said, said your right glute has turned. She didn't say it had turned to fat, fat, but I interpreted it that it had turned to fat. It's lost all its muscle tone because you're not using it properly. And, you know, this is disaster. You need to, you need to sort yourself out. You need to do your exercises. And I was like, okay, okay. Anyway, I do feel now so... I, right. Okay. So I'm resetting again. I mean, this is endless, but, um, I talked to my doctor friend last night. She's like, you've got to do your Achilles strengthening exercises. These rate car. If anyone has an Achilles injury or had one, they'll know the calf extensions off a step. You need to do this twice a day, every day. It's basically 120 variations of calf raises, oh. which will, this is the only way you're going to get this Achilles better is by loading it and keep loading and loading and loading it. So I've started, it's already feeling better after two days of doing that. It does feel better. I have, um, back on my bike. I did a big hike yesterday and just took my poles, put my spine backpack on and just hiked uphill, which doesn't hurt it. And it doesn't hurt to run downhill. It's just okay. running on the flat. And, um, the foot's got really weak, I think, cause the Achilles was so tight. It hasn't been able to move. So yeah. if I stand on like a wobble board, I literally am like, so again, working on that and I need to, and so running on the trail is terrible because I got no proprioception that foot. So another thing I've got out by the kettle, got to, got to, got to take this seriously now and stop ignoring it and get it better. Um, And I, yeah, it's a, it's facing up to it, isn't it? That actually this is something that isn't going to heal by itself. Often with like a niggle, you're like, it will just, if you rest, it will get better, but actually it's not going to get better unless I actually yeah. do work and the work on the rest of the body. And I had a bit of a whine at the physio lady going, I just, where do you have the time to do all these like very, oh, nice, tell me about it. Do all this work and all this band work and this glute strength and like, 
Oh, it gives me anxiety. Anyway, I've set up all these stations around the house now. So I've got my wobble board by the kettle. I've got my steps where I, at our like breakfast bar where I throw food at the kids so I can do it then. Yeah. I've got my, I'm rolling my foot now as I'm talking to you. <laughs> uh, I've worked out in my day how I'm going to fit in all this bloody rehab. Um, and hopefully it will, it is getting better now. It's just taking a long time patience no virtue of eddies but also it's so tricky done, fitting I haven't it all done in. enough to help myself i put my hands up and go i've just been kind of like why are you not getting better and then it gets better and then i'm like okay it's it's getting better i'll go for a chair room with my mates oh it's bad again so i got to load it properly and um stop ignoring it and actually address it so and i feel better for already having gone to this is awful to now, right? I've got a table printed off so I can tick off my car phrases every yeah. day. I've got to follow the plan and be as dedicated to the rehab as I am normally to my training. So there Dare we are. I ask about the so, challenger. What's a month and a bit? Um, so I'm wearing my pack. That feels really quite good. I'm strong. My legs yeah. feel strong. We have to decide as a podcast, like, See how the next, I haven't cancelled anything. Can I go and do it as like quite a long walk? <laughs> you know, you could, but how much could you do it? Can I, can I, oh, it's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. No, um, how much running will I be? So I'm kind of like, I'm not going to make a decision for the next couple of weeks. I'm go I can't do anything differently with my training. Um, I'm going to carry on doing hikes. I can do that. I've got mountains on my doorstep. Yeah. I can go uphill, which is amazing. Leg strength. I can send my heart rate high. Um, so I'm working. The, I've got that bit of impact. I can work out on the bike. I'm going to do everything in my um, armory to keep working towards it because it's good for motivation. Because if it's not yeah. there. Um, well, fitness it, levels, you know. It might not be where you want to be, but you're definitely going to be fit enough to complete it. I think the thing, as long as I, I don't want to be a risk to medical to mount, I don't want to call out anybody because yeah. um, it has to be better. Basically, I'm not going to go with it because I don't want to as well, then wipe out a month afterwards. True. So I'm in a bit Is of Is there a window of where you can cancel it and get some well, kind of money know. back? I haven't looked. Maybe I should do that. that um, and also, because I have to go over by myself, it's not like I have somebody, a crew or someone that if it it hurts, I can stop. If I, when I go over, I have to do it basically because uh, I've got a hotel booked at the end. <laughs> yeah. So I've got to be, if it, yeah, I'll see how the next, I'm not going to make, I'm keeping it there as a sort of like every day, a little bit of a carrot to keep me working, to get yeah. me on the bike. And we'll just see. And if it doesn't happen, um, there's some bigger races out here I can do, or I can go over and do a couple of days on the Pennine Way by myself at a walking pace without the worry of um, cutoffs. So, yeah, it, but it'd be good. I was talking to Bryn, I was like, it would be good to do it in that race because then you get the vibe of that, like how they say yeah, the points you get to. You're going through the night. You really have to be, I think as soon as you're not in the race and you're doing it as a recce, well, I do. I slightly more of a jolly. There's less pressure in there. Oh, <laughs> nice cafe. Yeah. Um, you know, so I'm just going to see. I'm going to see with like a little bit more focus on the Achilles loading, a bit more kindness to myself if I can 
kickstart this recovery and we'll see in the next few weeks. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. That's life, isn't it? It's so much work though. That's the only thing. I always say this thing, how much work do you have to do to keep you running? It's not you in particular, just generally people. It's There's all the other stuff. There's so do. much stuff whenever we all get injured and we're like, oh, and then we get better and then we stop doing all this other stuff. But fingers crossed that it is slightly better already and I just have to be a bit more mindful. Fingers crossed, Steve. Crossed, right. People that are proper running. <laughs> Let's talk about you. We had. I don't like when people say that. (laughs) I'm not. You know, it's horrible when you're injured, isn't it? Because you don't feel. You'll see people running. You're like, I can't. It'll never be me again. Um, Anyway, uh, Highland Fling we had um, a couple of weekends ago, but we were on our holidays. I was probably in the Tower of London or on a terrible Legoland ride. Um, You didn't take a picture of a donation box that I made in the Tower of London. You just sent me pictures of donation boxes. in the Tower of London. I've got pictures, donation boxes in the Tower of London. <laughs> Why did you not tell me this? <laughs> well, just kind of keep quiet. <laughs> kids around the donation box. Is it a tap scanner one or is it a... No, no, no. It's a quite an old one, actually. Just a cash, regular cash. Right. We had the Highland Fling a few weekends ago. Uh, Joe Meek, who we interviewed just before the race... With such a good luck charm. She won in eight hours 24 yeah. and Ron Bosswood won in seven hours 15. We also wanted to give a special shout out. I'm sure anybody that did this and anybody who's training for the West Highland Way as well will have crossed John's Bridge, which is now in place. I know there's a picture of him on the bridge and his daughter Holly ran the Highland Fling in his memory. And that must have been hugely emotional, but what an accomplishment as well to take up running and commit to doing that and then cross the bridge, which was yeah. um, in your dad's memory so well done everybody all the flingers ding ding we also had the felsman uh this was this weekend wasn't it damien hall and ollie johnson finished joint first in 11 hours 23 16 minutes and then fiona pascal a name you might recognize not that far behind what a run i'm not going to say whose sister she is she's her own runner in her own right and she's a really decent runner by the looks of it 12 hours 07. I know she's done quite a fast Bob Graham round too. She has, yeah, super fast. Yeah, really good. Um, so that's really exciting to see her coming through in the ultra running world as well. I wonder if Damien and Ollie hatched a plan or it's just... Um, well, he, I know he'd put that they ran together for most of it, I think. Then we went down south for the next one, the Thames Ring 250. Oh, this one's just enormous. And there's going to be so much tarmac, surely, for, for this one. I'm not really familiar with the, with the actual route, but yeah, John I saw Stop- a few signs, the Thames Ring, you know, little marker, waypoints, whatever. Yeah, sorry. John, John Stocker took the win, uh, 59 hours, 51 minutes and 32 seconds. And Ellen Cotton took the win for the lady. Ladies, 81 hours, 58 minutes and 30 seconds. But then also what? pinged up on our Run to the Hills page, which was awesome. A guy called Paul Mason, not just one, but two Thames Ring uh, 250s. The first one he did in 83 hours, 2 minutes and 41 seconds. And the second one, 91 hours, 10 that seconds. That is amazing that he did the second one. Like... Uh, There's something, was it um, Tom also just did the double, double long last? What is it with that? <laughs> Can you imagine the doms after just one 83 and then to go again? And really only seven hours, over 200 and whatever miles. It's it's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, if you'd like to come on the show, Paul, uh, hit us up. We'd love to have a chat with you. 
<laughs> well done, everybody. This week, we chat to Iceman and Midnight Paramedic, John Shield, all about his journey into ultra running um, and his recent success in the Ice Ultra. Love hearing uh, a chat about how somebody juggles shift work as well with training um, and life generally, and uh, he trains hard. Uh, so here is our chat with John. delighted this week to welcome uh john to the podcast uh john hi where are you how are you and have you been for a run today yeah hi thanks for having me uh i'm at home in oswald street at the moment so uh yeah i've been working night shifts recently so i'm uh just sort of getting over those and uh trying to get training back on track for upcoming events and uh, and so on so yeah it's been a what is it that you do that requires you to work all night i was going to say a day job would that be not ask (laughs) (laughs) paramedic by background retrained out the military and did all my paramedic qualifications um went hospital based with it doing minor injury minor illness and now i'm sort of able to work from home doing all the clinical assessors um roles treble one and all that side of stuff so it's it's good being able to do it from home because I was doing a hell of a lot of traveling, but that obviously yeah. limited running two hours, traveling to and from, and then a 12 hour shift. It was uh, a bit too much. So over the last I've uh, cut it back and uh, I say I've managed to be able to do this role self-employed from home, which has been a bonus because generally I'll do that over the weekends when the mountains are busy. Uh, so I can get out when it's a little bit, bit more peace and quiet. I love that planning. How do you find it coming off? Well, you've probably done night shifts for quite a long time now. How do you find coming off night shifts and then trying to train? Do you have to sort of adapt your training when you're working all night? Basically sleep deprivation. It's just another extension from being in the military, really. Oh, we're doing a sleep deprivation exercise. uh, It it seems to be like that each week. So if I do it over the weekend, I might have three hours sleep after every shift and then I'm up and out doing things and then suffer for it during the night shift when uh, I'm trying to keep my eyes open <laughs> and sleep at the laptop and then I wake up with like yeah, a load that must be really hard if you're on the computer you're not even like out and about yeah it's um it's difficult I had my eyes tested yesterday they said they're fine even though I was like straining my eyes at a computer for 12 hours there and uh you know when you do fall asleep you you wake up and you've got the finger pressed on a button and you (laughs) enter enter that's my my, my notes are there and there's (laughs) a load of j's pressed or whatever and i'm there deleting for about 10 minutes afterwards oh my god so do you like do you hit the coffee the chocolate how do you keep yourself awake um yeah it's the bad thing is that through nights you should eat more definitely because Mm -hmm. i'm awake pretty much all the day as well and then very little sleep your your hunger pangs really kick in yeah um so yeah i i eat drink and uh pretty much try and be good but it doesn't always happen particularly if you're doing quite high mileage you just you're very hungry um but it's i try and i try and be good but the, the night would you get like say you finished a, a batch of night shift would you get say three days off or something before you go on to a different shift or um they usually ask me to work there's usually plenty of work so um it's been quite good that i generally can fit it to suit me at the moment 
but I've uh, yeah that's why I've mainly done the weekends because there's obviously a greater demand usually at a weekend but then they'll yeah. ask can you do this in the week and can you do that and generally I might help out as well but it's so difficult when you try and plan everything else around it because then if you're working the nights you then try and plan what you need to do during the day yeah, yeah. And, and so on and yeah if you they ask you to do another night shift where it's like then i'm going to be a zombie if i've got to do something that morning the next day or Goodness so, me, yeah. Yeah, it's difficult and, but that's what it is and what was your role in the military you mentioned that yeah, I was, um, I was in the parachute regiment and uh, I, I couldn't land jumping out of planes. So uh, I did myself some damage, um, broken ankle, damaged knee and um, a labral tear of my hip as well. So that sort of put me out of any exercise for about eight years. So I've only been back running for two years now. Oh I started God. running two years ago. So, yeah, it was... Uh, did you have to have an operation on your hip or...? Uh, yeah, I had... Uh, it was clustered like a hernia repair, something called a David Lloyd um, repair. Not the it? Gym. Yeah, it wasn't that pleasant. It wasn't that enjoyable, but yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, it was like some special like hernia repair on the hip, and the knee just had a general meniscus um, tidy up, clear out with some keyhole, and the ankle I've broken several times over through a couple of rugby injuries and that, so it was no big deal. It still works and doesn't really give me any hassles. <laughs> I love these ex-military people. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. I mean, it's hanging off, but you tape it up and it's fine. It still works. Last two years, I found a phenomenal physio. Um, it's about an hour and an hour and a quarter away from me, Lily Shaw, um, where England Football Club used to be based. So a guy there called Jamal, and he's um, worked with all sorts of Olympians and just going to him by far and away, the best physio I've ever seen. And he just... Whether it's tight hip flexors, hip whatever. And he just, every time I go to him regularly and he has just got me on track that I can do the mileage. And if I'm on the mountains, whatever, I, I tweaked my hamstring the other day and it's, it's a bit of a tear, but it's no big deal. I went to see him, so I'm seeing him the next day. Anyway, it'll be all right. So <laughs> sort of, uh, I have to train around that one a little bit. And uh, yeah, it, it gets me sorted and uh, it's good because you expect the niggles anyway. And Yeah, uh, and I always say to people like, if when I take on like new coaching clients, I'm like, do you have a good physio, physical therapist, somebody you see regularly and 80% of people, it depends on their age. Most old people go, yes, I see one. Every <laughs> having having somebody you do need that, people, I think runners look at it like Gary. as <laughs> a bit of a sign all of right. <laughs> No, that's not true at all. <laughs> I know it's really expensive too, but uh, having somebody that knows your body and that you trust and that you can keep going back and just maintain you, even if you've not got a niggle, but they'll find the niggle probably before you know you've got the niggle. They'll stick your fingers in your hip or your soleus or something and you you go oh god yeah that's really tight so, uh, yeah especially with a, with a history like yours maybe john you have got to keep that body oiled a little bit yeah he says that it's unbelievable sort of what i'm doing and that i have very little going on generally so i mean i probably worst thing is had a hamstring tendinopathy probably now for the last year where i've just sort of got on with it and, and bits and bobs but you know if i ease off on it and me wanting to do a bit more speed training instead of just plodding, plod, plod, plod. It's like, well, I kind of need that hamstring now. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I 
put some uh, well I, I tweaked my hamstring the other day because I thought right I'm going to get a bit more speed in the legs and put a few efforts in on the, the hills and Langollen's really close to me and it's a beautiful running area and it's all runnable hills it's not like Snowdonia where you get some that are just straight up these are they're steep but the the runnable bits and I was like I'd got these Salomon Pulsar uh, soft grounds and uh, it was quite a nice day and the ground was it was quite so it was it was probably at the end of their spectrum anyway what a shoe it is it's phenomenal okay i'm gonna go give give it some beans on some of these things i was doing some like long hill rep efforts and uh my leg turned out between i was just like hell i feel like kipchoge here on the hill (laughs) (laughs) and then towards the end just oh Feel this hamstring now. After all, yeah, yeah. But the turnover of the legs was uh, noticeable. They, they're a fast, fast shoe. And uh, hey. what's, was, it, what's the grip like? Um, it's very, very good. It was better than I thought it would be, but just on some of the the, the muddier sections, it just mm. wasn't quite enough. I'm I'm testing shoe actually to go off track probably where we'll go later but the for the jungle coming up in seven weeks eight weeks time i've got um a race in the jungle five stage multi-day and the the longest stage is about 70 odd kilometers i think and that's the last stage of the race it's a very muddy course lots of bogs so everyone has said oh it's the innovate mud claw and for me yeah, the mud claw would be great on the muddy bits, but there are going to be long, runnable sections as well. Yeah, not so good on those, yeah. No, um, and so I'm just toying with a few different shoes at the moment, and I'm up in Scotland next week helping out with Beyond the Ultimate doing their, their Highland. <gasps> are you helping out on that inc- the most expensive ultra in the world? Is it that one? No, no, it's not that one. Is it? Oh. <laughs> is I was like, oh, I found someone that can give me <laughs> info. <laughs> oh, no, it's, um, it's the three-day Beyond the Ultimate um, Highland Ultra, and it's based over in Neudart. So I won it when they, they did it in October time. Um, last, last year, it was COVID, so they've got one now. This, this April now is when it's gone to. So I'm going doing all the course marking and helping out and probably a little bit on the medic side there as well and just general dog's body but hey yeah again, sounds awesome really nice nice place <laughs> course, and um you know catch up with people there and so it'd be brilliant so yeah i'm just planning to get away and test some of the shoes for the the jungle out there because can you take a is there like a weight limit can you take a couple of pairs of shoes with you to the jungle or is it it's all carry um but that's an option i'm considering is have take two pairs of shoes they're they're light enough that one for the the muddy stuff and then flip on and then last stage at 70 kilometers and you know maybe uh hop into something that's an flying machine and the weight of the pack's going to be lighter and I like my long stages. I, I like that sort of mindset of, right, you're going to run for 10 hours, 12 hours, let's go. Yeah, so, yeah. We'll, we'll see. So I've got a few shoes I'm just testing out at the moment. And uh, they were one of them was the Salomon Soft Ground um, Pulsars, which I say, amazing shoe. The others are the uh, Slab Cross 2 that I've not worn yet. But I'll be looking at photographs of your feet, see what you see what you decide to use on the day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it. Uh, there's, there's a few, so... Uh, 
And then what was the other one? I've just looked at the, um, the Solomon Mad, Mad Cross, which is what Solomon recommended to me, actually. They've said the Mad Cross, and I thought it was just a, a bit of one of their cheaper shoes. But actually looking into it, it looks it's quite an interesting shoe. So uh, I've just ordered myself a, a pair of those as well, and uh, we'll, we'll see how we go with that. But we love buying shoes. Gary always tells me, because I'm always on the lookout for the ultimate shoe that does everything, and he's always like, Eddie, you're never going to find the shoe that does everything, that's cushioned, good on mud, good on wet rock, good on dry stuff. Uh, it can run 100 miles and you can yeah, five uh, just want the old shoe. That's all I want. Kit fiend and buy lots and then bankrupt yourself, which is what I <laughs> <laughs> uh, Well, let me rewind a bit. You mentioned that you won the uh, Highlands Ultra. But I'd love to just know a bit more about your journey um, from, I suppose, yeah, I suppose from what jumping got you onto the start line of the yeah jumping out of airplanes to uh, uh being injured for my goodness me which sounds like eight years i think you mentioned and find yourself on the start line of the ice ultra i um i'd always been very sporty prior to that injury um and i think that playing rugby from a young age did that for sort of uh, county standard uh, and so on and then progressed different things hated running when i was young like literally cross country i'd go and hide in the 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 woods at school and then just pop out at the end sort of yeah. towards the it. <laughs> but if, if it was like a rugby ball or a football that was my thing did that and then uh, yeah I, I just um, got into duathlons um, before going into the military and did quite well at those at the DH group and qualified for Europeans and um, the world and then military sort of came around and at that point, I'd had a, a bike failure. It was Limerick for the Great Britain um, Duathlon Championship yeah. Europeans. Had a bike mechanical there, so I was a bit gutted about that. So that race ended very prematurely. Age. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then um, I, and I qualified for the Worlds for the age group. and um, But then that unfortunately didn't happen because the military wouldn't let me go. So... I just beasted myself getting into the the parachute regiment, and which was always a thing because the, the physically the, the fittest regiment, and that was just a bee in my bonnet that I had to do, wanted to do, and did it. Um, injured myself thoroughly doing it because I was was doing stuff for um, like PhD nutrition at that point, and quite a lot of their advertising, marketing, promotional stuff, which was going into men's health and men's fitness at the time. Okay. And uh, so I, I got quite a bit of unwanted attention through the um, training side of things. So I used to get absolutely hammered by the the lads and the training staff. And <laughs> called Mr. Men's Health and all Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So I would always end up doing a lot more. And... Uh, the beastings that we'd have and stuff. So it was good fun and, and everything, but probably not the best for my health, but an experience all the same. And uh, I hated flying. So jumping out of planes sounded like the... Oh. the uh, <laughs> really? Yeah. Why would you choose to do that? It's just one of those things. If you do what you don't want to do or don't like to do, yeah. you force yourself to like it. Like I've always... Yeah, it's all right. like my, my husband is an ex-para. 
And um, whenever we like have been on like really bumpy flights or something and I'm like fearing for my life and he's like, we used to circle at 600 (laughs) meters for three hours. This is nothing and all this. And he, so he's not bothered about flight, but I cannot imagine doing that when you- I couldn't wait to get off the planes because I hated all that. So it was like- You You were pushing, you were like, come on, let's go. (laughs) Never ever, because we used to have to- like jump training and and so on you'd sometimes get some people there that weren't from your regiment that they were just on it as part of whatever um whatever they were from and uh i just remember this one time someone wouldn't get out of the plane and we were up there and i was like i'm gonna push this guy out in a minute because it's really really i'm here like newbie waiting to try and jump and then uh yeah, it was... Uh, <laughs> was, that, was that actually being in the plane worse than the bit when you had to jump out? Yeah, yeah. I think once you're out of the plane, it was good fun. And then uh, all until the landing. And I think yeah. <laughs> my first ever landing was the best landing I ever did. And then after that, they always hurt and then injured myself. And then that was me uh, it was me out. Uh, and flying, I, I still fly. I still do flying. But uh, again, it's I, I'm not bothered by it now, really. So it's, it's something if you want to go and do things and go to places, you have yeah. to. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I imagine going to the jungle and ultra, though, there's going to be some planes that I would look at on a runway thinking, I don't want to go on that plane to get to where you need to get. Yeah, I know. I think we go into... Um, fly to Lima and then there's another plane I think up to Cusco and that is altitude actually the race it starts at 11,000 feet of altitude so yeah I think it'll be probably a rickety plane going to that part and I think there is a there's a, a bit of a coach journey after that for a good few hours so I don't know I don't know whether it'll be that bad but I do remember I went to Zimbabwe when I was young and that was really sort of rickety planes yeah. No. I don't get on the ones now with the propellers on the front. Where the oh my goodness, mate, that'd be dreadful. No, no, I prefer to wait. I'm waiting for. I Google it. If I'm flying, I'll Google the, what the plane is. <laughs> Try and find out what it's it is. Russian roulette. Will I survive this one? <laughs> <laughs> I think is it is it Everest? There's um an air an air yeah, altitude. We had Lizzie Hawker on the show a few weeks ago, John, and she was talking, she loves going, you know, she would live in Nepal, I think, wouldn't she? If she if she could all year round, I'm like, well, the big thing that puts me off is the airport and the flight into the uh, in and out of yeah. the Himalayas. But I guess if you're going to go and climb big mountains, the flight's the least of your worries, really, isn't it? Uh, yeah, if you're going to go and try and have a crack at Everest all around there. If you can't do the flight, perhaps you shouldn't be there. No. <laughs> So we got, so we got you, 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 so you have to leave the paras because of your injury. Is that, so then where where does your path go next? Um, well, actually, uh, it's a good question. Where did I go? I I did my retraining as like an ambulance technician. So, um, working on the roads on the ambulances, basically alongside paramedic generally. And I did that while I was training up to do my paramedic diploma and then I topped that up to the paramedic degree and then I did a couple of minor injury minor illness courses so I could stitch people up and look at x-rays and diagnose fractures and all that side of things came off the road I was working on a car and that's still the best job ever I loved that because it was uh, adrenaline you know you get to everything first yeah and all the good stuff but from being a a bit of a like adrenaline junkie kind of 
ragging a car around to and from probably the most horrific things you're likely to see as morbid as that sounds someone's got to do it and i really enjoyed doing that yeah. <laughs> um i always did this sort of self-employed through an agency or whatever and progression for me was doing the minor injury minor illness course and then becoming hospital based and working within the a e environment and urgent care and did all that sort of going my own time and just going working and doing sort of uh, voluntary work and and so on and then yeah just started doing self-employed and so then now i've managed to push so i can fit more training in by doing the home base stuff which i'm very fortunate to do but it's because i'm reliable and, and so on that and that uh, i get the work and keep getting the work which is good while it lasts and see how long it goes on for but um yeah that sort of got me to there and then last few years with with COVID I moved to Oswald Street a few years ago and with COVID I was still working over at Preston Hospital at the time so I was traveling 86 miles each way doing a 12-hour shift in between and so I would occasionally when I get home start running at two in the morning and whatever take the dogs out go down the canals scare people half to death if there was anyone there or the unsavories that might be around a couple of stitches yeah you fractured yeah 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 i go to hospital for that one random country lanes and stuff at night and then like my dogs to start barking and circle a few like people which you you've been down this country lane at this time of night i'm running you're probably looking at farm machinery to yeah yeah yeah. it's always all if you're with the dogs and someone appears if they've got a dog wherever they appear out of they don't i don't worry about them it's when random people suddenly appear out of a path or a hedge and and you're like where's your dog why are you (laughs) why are you out here here without a dog why would you choose to do this and then you're like oh come on dogs moral of the story is have a dog and you become trustworthy (laughs) yeah Oh, it's Are you criminals out there listening? Dog? <laughs> oh, we've got a dog. Oh, you're fine then. Off you go. Dog, we're all right. <laughs> oh, so let's. So, um, you were able to run again. Like, how did you build running back into your life after all those, um, all those injuries? Yeah, I mean, I just always had this, and I always thought it was like a tightness in my hip, um, and I never thought it was something that was knackered from a joint point of view can you hear that yeah <laughs> it's fine okay. oh, bed 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 come on wait quiet <laughs> um, never doing a podcast with john again <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it with your dog yeah um yeah you're saying about the hip yeah so, um, the hip it felt like it was a, a tightness and a muscular thing and so i yeah felt that this tightness but it was even cycling was a problem so I was very limited with what I felt I could do and I thought you know what I just need to get seeing someone because I felt like when I was stretching it myself it would it was kind of a relief Mm. but yourself and an injury and a niggle if it's deep you can't get to it yourself Mm. properly and I'd been to physios and just not got it and then I this physio that was on about before and I just it just started that I thought, you know what, I can run a bit now. And then, you know, sort of within the week I'd run a marathon, sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, back in the game here, let's go and smash it and uh, <laughs> get focused and me being a little bit O C D, I just um started building the mileage up and COVID hit, so couldn't race anyway. 
and I was just using it to go out along plots with the dogs, nothing spectacular, but just, just kept running and decent distances. And, um, yeah, then obviously when we could race, I fell on my backside a couple of times learning quite quickly that, uh, you know, the ultra game, you've got to be a bit more prepared than turning up to one of Mike Jones's apex events after doing a 12 hour night shift and driving straight to it and thinking, yeah, you'll be all right doing a two <laughs> stage race across Snowdonia. And uh, that was my first DNF in scorching heat and uh, wow, yeah. education um, to it, which was good, but it, it made me learn. And um, yeah, then it was the same. I had the, the ultra trail Snowdonia and I had a heavy fall on that and I was doing all right at the time. But again, never come across sort of the, you know, races like that or just didn't understand them. And I think from that, I, I, it just clicked. And uh, I'm probably not the fastest marathoner in the, the world. I've never run a marathon, but I know roughly what I could probably run a marathon. <coughs> I'm gauging it, but I seem to get quicker where people with good marathon times seem to slow down over the trail stuff. I seem to be able to keep going and hold a pace for a longer period of time. And probably because I've beast myself, belt myself in these multi-days, I seem to get faster and as I get into it, and that was the case on the Ice Ultra, I sort of knew after a couple of stages, stage three and stage four, they just played into my hands because I, I knew um, the, the the longer stages I generally keep going. I knew that if it was 10 hours of running, it'd be 10 hours of running and that'd be that. So, And what was it about the Ice Ultra that drew you to it? Um Chris King, he's the the race director. He, uh, he knew I'd done the Highland Ultra, and then he uh, he, he conned me and said, "John, pace <laughs> left on the the Ice Ultra," and he knew I was doing the the jungle. Anything, the <laughs> desert had been cancelled because of COVID, and so I moved and um, did the the jungle one instead. I was like, "I'll jump in the jungle," but I was like, "It's a long time away, isn't it?" Yeah. And he goes, "Oh, well, we've got a space that's just come up on the Ice Ultra," and I was like. He knew I wouldn't say no, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell us a little bit about the, maybe tell us about how the race is broken down, uh, the sort of distances every day, and then maybe like the conditions you're running in as well. Yeah, so it was 230 kilometres over five days. Uh, the last stage is pretty much a 15 kilometre sprint stage because it's, it's pretty much, you, you know, it, it's just a, a celebratory, let's run across to the end and, stuff our face with with uh, burgers or whatever and, and so on so that was nice stage five but the the hard work stage one two three and four um most of them were about a marathon distance i think stage one stage two sort of 40 odd 50 kilometers um stage three was a shorter one just about the marathon distance um but it was harder because of the conditions first two days were more mountainous stages um days one and two and stage three was a short one and stage four was the the longest stage which was 65 kilometers they worked out at. again they like they said it was going to be six there was a 65 and then it was more like 67 when i did it because i was, oh, was extra kid <laughs> go on john you've done well you've been running all this time and i was like 
I came around this corner and onto this lake and I could see the finish in the distance. I looked at my watch and I, <laughs> I was cursing for that whole time around that lake to the end of stage four. Oh <laughs> yeah, temperatures were anything as they say it can go down to minus 40. I think we had it down at minus 36 at its lowest um, on one of the mountains, but it did cause a few people some issues. Someone got airlifted on the first stage quite early on, oh, wow. an experienced ultra runner actually. Um, did well, he, you know, he's up there in a lot of races, vastly experienced, and uh, he got hypothermia and dehydration very early and uh, was airlifted from there. He was fine and everything afterwards, chatted to him, messaged him after the event, but yeah, he was, he was fine, but it just showed the, the, the conditions there. To me, they were, they're brutal, don't get me wrong, but it's, it's dry, it's cold, mm. and you know, you might get a bit of snow and a bit of wind on the one of the, the first two mountain stages, but comparing it to Snowdonia at its worst, it's nothing, you know. <laughs> when it's cold on Snowdonia, wet, windy yeah, and sort of... Wind, it's the wind. It's the wind chill, yeah. isn't it, that kills you. Whereas the, the Arctic, it was, if you had the right clothing and layers, that was great. The main issue for me in the Arctic was the fact that the 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 water bottles that i'd have although they were insulated soft flasks yeah um they would freeze and the water was freezing particularly in the caps uh, oh wow so when you try and bite the cap to drink through so on the first stage i first went for my drink early doors and the first checkpoint was was only about 12 kilometers down the road it was a nice road to start with so no snowshoes brilliant if it'd been like that for the whole time i'd have been happy so i, I Zoomed off, quite happy, and then I was like, "Oh, a bit of a drink, a few kilometres in." Like, oh, <laughs> oh my! <laughs> oh no! All this money on these damn insulated water bottles, and uh, yeah. So I, I, my, my downside, which is something I, I learned during that ultra, and something I take with me for the rest of it, was I was running quite dehydrated for the first two stages yeah, because yeah. I was only drinking at the checkpoints, really. So I'd drink my bottles basically at the checkpoint and then crack on and you know because I couldn't drink during that time but then I learned that actually what I have to do is use hot water mm. they had hot water there so I pretty much put near boiling water in the the flasks and then with the top um slushing back the hot water it would keep the the caps mm. from freezing quite the same but then I'd have to drink every few minutes to walk from the cap from freezing. And then when I finished drinking, blow out the, the remaining water out of that. Plus, and that this, John. If you just messaged me, I could have told you all the... Worst thing's worse, just down your pants. Water <laughs> That might have affected my running style, though, my gait, and then knowing me, I'd have probably had an injury. So, and yeah. then the photos, yeah, you hit would have been, Eddie told me to put it down my pants, and now I've got a double face photo. I love the problem solving, though. It's a really good tip for anybody in any cold, um, even with an insulated water bottle, is that before you used to, yeah, hot water in your flask, but not too hot because you can break the seams, which you were lucky that you didn't do. But you blow down it as soon as you put the hot water in it, and then you just have to keep drinking it to keep it moist. The, uh, yeah. the lip. You can get like insulated covers, which you insulate the whole... <laughs> I've got a rucksack with, with an insulated bottle, so you cover the bottle totally so the, the, the um, 
the nipple is not out in the cold, but um, it sounds like you managed to cope. What other bits of kit were sort of invaluable? And uh... so I, the, well, the shoes didn't really matter after that. I went, I did loads of research on my shoes and ended up with um, La Sportiva Blizzards, which oh, yeah, is a phenomenal shoe. And um, you know, I hadn't, I'd had one pair of last Sportivas before that. And I didn't really get on with them. Didn't really rate them. And, but this shoe though, I looked at it for them and they were, they were, they felt really lightweight. I mean, don't get me wrong. They weren't light. They was probably about 320 grams each boot, but not bad, but they felt really light and nimble on your feet. So the first 15 kilometers, which I was the only time I was out of snowshoes with them on, they, they were brilliant. And the, the little studs for the ice, they were great. Um, and to be fair, probably I could have run other bits, but getting the snowshoes on and off was such a hassle. And with the bindings, when they'd freeze, that um, it was just, you know, it was easier to keep them on. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting my dog biting me again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that was the other thing I had uh, before I went out there. Two days before I flew, um, a couple of my dogs hate each other, so I always keep them separately, and they're not with <laughs> them and shepherds. And one of the other dogs had opened the door and let the one out and the other, and then they went for each other. Oh, wow. Uh, and so I had to, I got involved and in splitting them up my knee was the was the uh chew involved oh. <laughs> i got some muscle injury and deep uh, lacerations into my knee two days before the event so uh I was in the whole time uh the medics were like Do you need it? i was like yeah it's fine it'll be all right <laughs> <laughs> what was it like running in the snowshoes i'm really curious that it's not something i've ever done oh um they were they're very light. The ones we used, I think everyone used them, these TSL snowshoes. They're very lightweight. They they alter your gait slightly, um, but you don't really notice them that much. Um, once they're on, they're on, and they were okay. Um, you didn't feel like they massively made a difference in getting from A to B, um, particularly the ones we were using. They just gave you that little bit of extra traction to to get through but they they i would have preferred not to have worn them but yeah. i guess it it it, did you have to wear them um no you could have tried without um but it was uh, yeah it was, it was just difficult but you needed them and they were okay um getting them on and off was a bit of a faff because I'm size 11 anyway, and I had to size up to size 12 for oh, right. the um, for the shoe, just with the extra socks and the you have to wear the inner soles to reflect the heat as well. I didn't need the the inner soles because I had that winter shoe on, so mm, it's yeah. well protected yeah. anyway. So I didn't use the I carried the uh, reflective inner soles, but didn't didn't use them. Um, but thick sock. And everything so i went to size 12 but size 12 was the limit for these snowshoes anyway so you're there and because it was a boot really trying to get them on i was thinking i'm not going to snap these things and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and take them on and off so i literally was like if they survive me getting into them and then out of them every day and trying to get them off at the end of the stage was horrendous because yeah. they just 
frozen. Just frozen in the buckles and everything. So is there like, you ask him, can you get this off for you? <laughs> but, um, yeah, you were, running on, were you running on like packed snow? Was it quite deep? Was it trailed or were you breaking yeah. trail? It was, they, they'd had um, a lot of snow dumps there. So they said it was the worst conditions they've ever run the race in, in terms of the amount of snow and powder. So it was really hard. Yes, yeah. so I'm going. Um, but were you making the trail for the rest of the competitors? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Generally, like they, they get a chance to really big yourself up now, John, to go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I literally was a, a trailblazer for them. <laughs> but I was curious. Yeah, how did the race pan out? Was it like uh, were you conscious you're in a race? Was it a small group of you who ebbed and flowed at the sharp end? Yeah. Um, so, in terms of the tracks, there was the Sammy, the local people who were amazing and they run all the safety aspect of it and logistics with the snowmobiles and, and so on. And without them, you couldn't do the event. And it's brilliant that they, they use obviously local people to put these mm. events on. And mm. uh, it's great because they're phenomenal and they know exactly what to do, where to go. So if there was like the emergency, you see these nutters on snowmobiles going <laughs> 60 odd miles an hour. And uh, yeah, they brilliant guys. Um, but in terms of the, yeah, do you think you're in a race? Yeah, the first couple of stages were very competitive. There was this lady who, uh, Lenka, she's an actress, presenter, ski mountaineer. She's got her, her Slovakian, you know, she's represented Slovakia with the mountain running and sponsored by Dynafit. And, uh, you know, she's an absolute professional monster on the trip. <laughs> And I just remember looking round and like at first bit of the road stage, 15 kilometers, turned round and I thought, oh, it's going to be good lads because there was some good, good athletes there. I remember seeing her there. I was like, bloody hell, she's moving for like, because I put quite a shift in to, to get up to the front comfortable, but you know, I'd been moving and she was phenomenal. She yeah. literally, first two stages, I couldn't shake her on stage one. And uh, I stopped to put my snowshoes on because I thought, well, should I do it at this point? And then, as I was doing that, she was like, oh, you put your snowshoes. So she put her snowshoes on. Um, <laughs> she was a few minutes behind. And then, yeah, I just couldn't shake it when I put the snowshoes on. And I think that was more her domain because she lives yeah. in the mountains. And yeah. whereas I was like Bambi on ice, she, <laughs> I, I just couldn't, couldn't shake her off. I'd get around every corner and sprint my hardest, trying to, <laughs> little tactics. And uh, <laughs> anyway, you know, waiting, waiting for her because I was like, you know what? She's just a minute behind, and it was that annoying gap. I hate being someone just behind me. Yeah, yeah. 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 Right. With my knee at the time as well, it was quite sore. So I had to use it as a bit of a tactic to wait up and then control the pace. Just waiting for her. Well, that's so, good. Huh? Yeah, good. Too. So, um, yeah, I led on. Unfortunately, then she took on a bit of the pace, and I had to work a bit harder. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we, we rolled in across stage one together which is quite nice because you know, it's a long time on your own but um yeah stage one running together stage two again was mountainous one and she just took off on again i, I to to this one mountain then there's this long slog and usually I'm, I'm quite good on the mountain stuff and it's the elevation it was only about three three and a half thousand feet for the day so it's nothing really in elevation terms when you look at it compared to like a mountain run yeah i do that for for fun usually like without much effort or recently I've been doing the UTS 50 routes 
ten and a half, nearly eleven thousand feet of elevation in one one go, and you this three and a half thousand feet is burying me. <laughs> seeing her take off, and I would I was just like I kept going, kept moving, and and it was it was it was a horrible cold day that day, and I thought oh, I'll just keep moving. I'm not drinking, not eating on this mountain going up because take your gloves off, you're going to freeze, and I think that's where a lot of people came and stuck was that you stop moving, you want to have a food and drink. Whereas I just kept moving and yeah, I lost a decent bit of time, but then she needed to stop at the top and sort herself out, I think. And I think she had about 10 minutes on me at the end of that stage that day. And but after that, the, the mountains have gone. I thought it's going to be more, more runnable. And yeah, because um, I had the flat speed day three, I managed to to put a good chunk of time in and take the lead back and, probably have a 20, about 21 minute gap, I think after stage three. Brilliant. And then stage four was the long stage. And I say it was still choppy underfoot. I think stage three was, was good. I built the gap, but then I think everyone was sort of mitigated with the, the gap because it became this last lake, which I think when Damien Hall had done it in stage in 2016 or something, Chris said that, Oh yeah, he just skipped across that lake because it was just nice and flat, and there's us not able to even run across it because it's just that chopped up and yeah, yeah. It was a walk for everyone across that lake. So time-wise, I couldn't build any more than probably what I built until that point, and it was 13 miles across that lake. So oh, uh, I was imagining like 400 meters. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And this last lake was a, a half marathon on that day, so it really. <sighs> Um, probably stopped putting more time mm. in, mm. which would have been nice. But it, one of those things, it's an event, isn't it? You take what the conditions are that year and you can never compare them. Stage four actually was more runnable than what I thought it would be because the conditions seemed to be a bit better that day underfoot. Um, and you're going through these like um, forests, and then which are quite lumpy. And then you get onto these long, vast open lakes where you just see for miles and miles and miles. So it's quite in the, the head. And I thought, yeah. right, listen to my music on this this long stage today. Tunes in and, you know, hopefully 10 hours and that'll be me done. <laughs> Headphones in, yes. Fully charged, 100%. Let's go. Oh, power low, flat. Oh. Start of the stage, I was like, damn batteries in this conditions. I was yeah. like, <laughs> oh, I've, I've okay. wired, wired headphones now for the jungle. Um, but yeah, so I was like, all right, I'm just going to have to speak to myself for this whole stage. <laughs> um, but yeah, I went off, went off on a mission on that stage. And uh, yeah, thankfully I put an hour into the person in second. Did, did, did this lady finish second? We feel we yeah, should. She did, yeah, um, which was was nice because I uh, stage three and stage four, I put the time in and let's uh, say stage four, I finished in nine hours, 50 minutes, I think for the 67 K, whatever it worked out at, which yeah, I think she finished an hour behind me. And then after that third place is about two and a half hours behind and, yeah. and so on. So it was a good shift. I didn't stop running that whole time apart from the, the checkpoints. Let's see where you just take on the water, but so that was yeah, it was a it was a good old shift, but it felt good, and I like that. I like those long stages where it's just a grind to keep going, and mm. uh, I knew I was going to do that, and that was always the plan, and yeah, it worked well. So I felt comfortable with the last stage being a short one. That um, you and, had a you had a yeah, but it was nice because 
like say she, she had a water bottle that malfunctioned and I left a water bottle for her at one of the checkpoints. Stop it. With your phone number on it. <laughs> <laughs> Would you ever do that, Eddie? <laughs> I leave my water bottle with my phone number on all the time, Gary. Yeah. Yeah, does. These, no one's uh, rung me yet. Ring me. <laughs> Running good time. My phone number is. <laughs> Would I ever leave a water bottle if I had a spare one? Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't sacrifice one of my own. That's true. <laughs> yeah. We were supposed to carry like um, a liter and a half mandatory, and I, I don't know what had happened to her other water bottles. But um, yeah. well, my husband's always says you never share your food, never share your your snacks and water on the hill. Yeah, food, if food you can't carry your own kit, you're not coming with me. I yeah, <laughs> definitely wouldn't uh, definitely wouldn't be uh, giving my food up but the, the water like I was rotating my water bottles with the hydration and stuff um, like tailwinding and and one so I didn't have to empty the packs in straight away but because I'd used that when it was in the back I left that and then I had um yeah my two water bottles but so it was all then, right when you, after each stage did you sleep where did you sleep and Different places. Uh, First night was a teepee on the snow on the ground, and um, that was good because it was just proper, proper adventurous stuff out in a teepee on the snow, just on top of a reindeer mat. Um, then we were in sort of huts with no electricity or anything, just a, a heated stove um, for most of it. And then the after stage four, that was like a mountain centre, just on the floor there in the. Um, the mountain centre with everyone um, and then that last stage was just that sprint so it was nice we ran in together the first three of us um, so it wasn't really wasn't really an effort that last stage it was just a nice chat basically running it in um, with the guys and then we got food and drink in the little party at the end which was nice was it quite a social, atm social atmosphere at the end of each stage or was it business? You were doing all your admin and then going to sleep. Yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, I was probably always the one that was last awake. I'd like get in, chill, food. And I quite like the atmosphere of the events and making the most of it and chatting to the medics, the local people, um, race organisers. I just, I like the environment. When I'm there, it's me switching off, whereas at yeah. home, constantly yeah. on the go so going to some, something like that it's uh it's quite nice so i quite enjoy soaking up the atmosphere or having a look around and you know the scenery and things like that that you just you can appreciate it because once you finish that you're never likely to be there again or yeah you think that's that. why you're drawn to the stage multi-stage events so you can actually soak it up a bit more as opposed to just i would have never gone to sweden and to the arctic to <laughs> you know to see it. but now actually i think you know what, that would be a beautiful place in the summer when you've got no, um, when it's never dark there as well, when it's daylight yeah. the whole day and night. I mean, that must be magical there. And these lakes that I've run across are beautiful where you can swim in them and with beaches, it's, you know, you just, it's mind-blowing when you, mm. uh, but yeah, I would have never gone there. And so the multi-days are brilliant just to, to be able to do that. And I think that definitely why I do them and, I'm probably not quick enough to do the single stages um, unless they're quite a long stage and then I'm a bit more competitive, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's nice. I just like it because there's less pressure on in these multi-stages in yeah. a way. 
people, track runners, I, if I go to track sessions and they're like, what pace are we going to do? I go, I don't know what I do. I, I, I'm not this like a oh, five minute mile or whatever. Yeah, yeah. If I'm knackered, I'll, I'll drop back. If, you know, I'll try and yeah. stay with you. But, so all these paces that people are really like into from track running or, you know, 10Ks, 5Ks, marathons. And I like it because I'll go to the track and these guys are all keen as mustard and it's their thing, isn't it? So they keep yeah. back and they're like, well, it's going to improve me when I go and do these things because it's working that high range that I'm not usually working. So yeah, quite enjoy that. But then predominantly is, you know, I've got to be able to run for 10 hours on a stage and then go and do some of the same the next day. So a lot of the strength and conditioning is more my thing and the long runs and the getting up and down on the, the mountains and stuff. So, so what, do, what does your normal training week look like, John? Um, so I've been building it back up recently, but I was hitting 100 mile weeks with over 10,000 feet of elevation most weeks in the lead up to Ooh. the Alps. Um, and plan was with this this jungle as well. I mean, I did 80 miles last week and just over 10,000 feet of elevation, but I've been steadily building that back up from having like a rest week of nine miles after the Arctic, which was 130 odd mile week, did nine miles and then just been gradually building it back up each week, just, you know, you're sort of 10%. So I was back up to 80 miles last week and some good runnable hard stuff that I've been doing as well as some treadmill stuff just to try and ease the load when I'm doing the balance of running up and down on the mountains and, and so on. Um, I haven't been doing the track sessions just because of the impact factor. Mm-hmm. Um, and Do you have a coach, self-coached athlete or... I, I was a sports science background before going into the military. So I've got my own training background anyway and done strength and conditioning um, qualifications. So I, I like all that stuff. It's it's my my forte or my passion is that training aspect, all the strength and conditioning and the, the running side of things. Um, but yeah, it's, it's generally going to be 100 mile weeks again and i'm wanting to keep a lot more mountain efforts in but more hill interval stuff now yeah because of the races after the the jungle the jungle's quite up and down so you do need some good leg <coughs> condition your it bands which mountain rain does the down slopes and and so on but um so it will no doubt do me well in the jungle and the long days just for the the slog just to keep out time on feet which is why I've been doing the, the ultra trail snowed only a 50 route because I'm racing that three weeks after coming back from the jungle. Um, which <laughs> give me much time to come back, turn it around, let my feet recover, but also that high end energy, which I'll need more for the, the yeah. 50. Route. And I did it at quite a decent pace the week. I did it back to back two weekends. So I say it's nearly 11,000 feet of elevation in 32 miles pretty good and it's a good route it's a good route and it is quite runnable a lot of it um i went around about seven seven and a half hours and just over uh, just yeah seven and a bit hours and that was that was moving quite well i was thinking well if i could do that in the race and sort of looking at times from the following year i'll be in the mix be up around there and think there one that uh, last you might year. make it on the results section of our show. <laughs> yeah, it was Harry, the the Hoka athlete. Um, oh, Harry Jones, yeah. yeah he, he won it last year, it was like six and a half hours. I mean, of course, that's changed, but similar sort of elevation in time. I think he was obviously he's a flying machine. Um, but I said, yeah, I'd be happy if I could get you know, it's a 
Mont Blanc, Auto Trail Mont Blanc event now and everything. So it's competitive standard. So it's not ideal prep doing the jungle beforehand. But you're either going to be flying or you're going to be broken. So you roll the dice, don't you? I'll try and get out. And I know the route like the back of my hand now. So I know exactly where I can push on that UTS 50 route. I know. Yeah, I know exactly where water's short on the the areas and where the technical parts are. And I think, you know what, I'll be, I should be all right. As long as I've got no, no injuries, I say my top end won't be there because it's going to be a, a week in the jungle of a low, long, slow duration yeah. aerobic zone. But then coming back, I'll probably have a week where I'm pretty chilled, not doing much. Then probably a week of just trying to fire everything up and get the legs turning and rely on the endurance some strides <laughs> yeah pretty much and just work. go down the track one session down the track <laughs> yeah. with your 10k buddies you'll be fine yeah. get those hamstrings a few few hill reps and then yeah i'll go in there try put the flat salomon shoes on oh you'll be fine yeah yeah they, they will for a dry day yeah <laughs> but, and then after that it's dragon's back so that will be that's why i'm trying to keep the mountain stuff going um in the meantime which will be good so when it is what? dragons back in september again this year so that's my main thing and i need to get out doing some wrecking of that because especially day two day two is the uh is yeah. the one where you need the local knowledge grab yeah. ross bentley and say yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'll bring you his number uh, yeah. I'm like Plateau because he runs with me. Well, we run a, we're oh, I saw you've been running here the other weekend. Yeah, we run together a lot, but he's training for some flat stuff at the moment and being boring. Well, he's had bad COVID. <laughs> he messaged me last night to say yeah. it had gotten bad. Yeah, yeah, he's he's being a bit of a girl at the moment about it. <laughs> well, because <laughs> he was running in some sort of pajama bottoms yesterday. <laughs> Pull yourself together, disgusting. You can't even put that on Instagram. I'm gonna have my tea. Scrolling through, so I want to see. Yeah, I messaged him and one of the other lads. And he goes, oh, do, you, do you fancy doing, um, what was it the other day? Do you fancy doing the, the Snowden Sky Race route? Uh, and so then I, I'm, just, I'm just trying to flat at the moment, doing my speed and everything. I was like, Oh, yeah. road runner. Road runner. <laughs> oh yeah he loves the road flexible hamstrings and yeah, yeah um, he's doing his wrexham wrexham marathon the elite marathon in a couple of weeks time uh, so i'll so let him off but, uh, let, let him do that and then you can... best of luck i think uh john but before we let you go we've got to do our quick five the best yeah, quick five I've ever created. Well, yeah, yeah, I feel a bit, uh, I'm going to ask these, but you, they're all your questions. Yeah, I enjoy watching you squirm, asking yeah. them to it in Gary. Okay, right. <clears throat> yeah, just quick, five quick questions. You can take as and long. It's or... a cold theme on them, John. Oh, yes. We've been talking about the ice ultra, the sort of a theme, Not they're not just random. They're well thought out. I feel a bit nervous. Yeah, yeah get nervous. Get warmed <laughs> up because there's a good one at the end. <laughs> Who, yeah, can't wait for that one. Who would you most likely, who would you mostly like to build a snowman with? Oh, to build a snowman with. That's a good one. Oh, so random. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ranulph Fiennes. Oh. oh, good one. Yeah, he'd be good at that too. He'd be like, this is the way we do it. <laughs> A race you would still like to race? Um, definitely want to do Ultra Trail Mont Blanc. It's kind of 
bucket list one, isn't it? So yeah, that, but um, I think Nepal as well, and probably one of their their mountain marathons as well, just because Ooh. of that. Ice cream or chocolate? Ice creams recently. Hot tub or ice bath? Ice bath. Oh. Love my cryotherapy. I go to cryotherapy and stuff and yeah. Hey. <laughs> I've just given myself terrible ice burn icing my calf. <laughs> you know what? I was like, take the pain. I quite like the pain. And then I took the ice pack <laughs> off and I was like, oh, half my skin's come yeah, off. The burn. These really good... Um, uh, covers actually that ice and they stay on your legs really well revax revax so covers and you literally just put them in your freezer and then yeah. you put on like stockings and oh, you cold. they're brilliant but then it's about 20 minutes so usually i'd be like just ice them for longer but they're, they're good cold for about 20 minutes they're really good actually well i'll be googling that and last but by no means least do you know the opening verse for the smash hit Ice, ice, baby. Opening verse. No, everyone just knows ice, ice, baby, don't they? <laughs> I know somebody who does. She can't I wait. <laughs> let's go. Yo, VIP, let's kick it. Ice, ice, baby. Do, 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 ice, ice, baby. All right, stop. Collaborate and listen. I spec with my brand new invention, something. Grabs hold of me tightly, flow like a harpoon daily and nightly. Will it ever stop? Yo, I don't know. Anyway, kind of. That's a career highlight, that is. Yeah. Surely everybody knows the whole song. <laughs> what times we it's live in, good. Eh? I'm very impressed, everyone. If you if you were able to say that, I would have made my... Well, Gary was like, he'll never know. I would have the whole thing, wouldn't it? Just taking your thunder there. It would have, I about had I have a feeling I'm a bit older than you, John, and that was more than my, like, uh, that was in my hood when I was about 12. It was a big yeah. song. It was a big song with the baggy jeans and the um, and the big hoodies and the chains. I mean, it's all coming back now. My oldest, he wears, like, these really baggy jeans and these, like, massive hoodies. I'm like, that's what we used to wear back in the 80s. I like French fashion, though, is it, Eddie? I think it's French Alpine fashion. It's not. There's no fashion. It's just what happened. You're out in France at the moment as well. Say again. You're out in France as well at the moment. I live out here. Yeah. That's amazing. I can't believe you've not told him. I know. But I managed to get in. <laughs> I've been looking at French chateaus at the moment. I'm not lying. Oh. Yeah. Well, you can snatch up a chateau. Then the French don't want them. Yeah, no. But you know what? Some real appeal there. I think the upkeep of them, from what I've learned from the escape to the chateau, yeah. uh, the upkeep of upkeep. Yeah, we don't live in a chateau. I live in a farm, bar, a barn. It is a barn, literally. It, that's what I say to the kids. This is like living in a barn. John, thank you so much. Thank you so much for giving up yeah, time. Yeah, thanks for your time. I could have asked you loads more questions, but we will keep. Uh, yeah, we'll keep track of your progress on the podcast. Good luck with the. Yeah, come and tell us all about the uh, the jungle UTS double. Let's uh, fingers crossed. Yeah, we barely touched on training, so we just ran out oh, of time. Gary, you had all those questions. <laughs> oh, so, <laughs> much, so much more. We'll so much time. Another time. Thanks so much, John. Guys, thank you. And the doggies. Take care, yeah. <laughs> Bye.
I enjoyed that chatting with John and his dogs made a guest appearance too. It's always nice uh, when our guests uh, unruly dogs show up. <laughs> they always get really nervous and they're like, oh, no, the dogs and you and I go uh, yeah. just creating mischief in the background, encouraging bad dog behaviour. <laughs> Lisa, Lisa took Rex to work. I'm like, it's fine, just leave him. But no, no, she was adamant she was going to take him. But yeah, he's fresh. You know, he might be still, still be up there, but he has recently been up in Scotland helping out at the Highland Ultra. And if memory is correct, he's prepping himself ready for the jungle ultras. He likes to tick all the different, <laughs> the ice ultra, jungle ultra, highland ultra. Um, but I think he'll do really well. Um, niche in the multi-days, hasn't he? I do yeah. love a multi-day too. Watch the space, I think he'll do really well. And also check out his Instagram. He's uh, very good over on Instagram. <laughs> Kong Summer is the Butterbeer Selbeck. Butterbeer Selbeck is, whew, is a classic tough rough, tough, rough fell pace. Rough it's happened over 4,000 feet of climbing in just over nine miles. So not for the faint hearted. To tell you what, I did a hike yesterday with a mate and we did uh, just under 10 miles and just under 4,000 feet. Oh, and my glutes today, <laughs> I'm not, uh, I am not Alpine uh, race fit. But I was also thinking, I've digressed to about myself again, but it's been a long time I've been able to talk about <laughs> But I was thinking like uh, these like steep climbs that I can do, it's very, um, it's very good training because my Euro hiking is not fast. Yeah. Hiking uphill is not my speciality and I do anything to not hike uphill. I would prefer to run uphill. So at least now I can practice that. Anyway, we've digressed. The bottom of Selbeck is a classic rough, tough fell rate, packing over 4,000 feet of climbing, not for the faint-hearted. And it's part of the Kong Summer Series. Entries still open, do you know, Gary? You always know. That's I it. think they are, yeah. But when this goes out, if it's this weekend, then they might be uh, sold out. But yeah, last time I checked, oh, I'll just double-check again. It says enter online. So um, apparently you can still enter. We've also got the opening uh, Centurion 100 mile race, the Thames Path 100. Uh, I think it's that, well, it's definitely is their flattest ultra running from London to Oxford along the Thames Path. Um, people always go out way too fast because it's <laughs> flat. They go through the first marathon. There's tons of them in under four hours, which would give them a 16 hour, uh, 100 mile. And then there's a lot of walking. So top tip, here we are uh, from a Centurion coach is pace yourself, put in walking breaks early eat drink well it's often quite hot in the first marathon too because it's in london yeah so buildings make it that bit hotter pace yourself get to henley feeling fresh enjoy the second half of the race enjoy the thames path personally too flat a race for me gary a flat 100 miler not sure i've never done one i'd like to do one my memories of henley are just being drunk at the regatta one year and uh <laughs> Very drunk around wealthy people. I'm pretty sure the Henley Regatta is around this time, or has it happened? I think it might have happened. It's they don't sunny. pass each other, sadly. Anyway, good luck to anybody doing either of those races. And one which won't be hot is the Chalkland Way Ultra. This is in, in November. I thought I'd pop this in because you definitely have got time to enter this one. And it's 42 miles, 3,000 or 3,900 feet. It's four checkpoints, 14 hour cut off. Uh, so yeah, if you're looking for a winter race, I think that, um, and you're thinking about dipping your toes into the ultra. This nice, be... nice bit of mileage, a little bit of climbing, not too much climbing. Yeah. Where, so is where is it? Oh, well, I don't know exactly know where it is, but these, the ultratrails.co.uk are based in the East Riding of Yorkshire area. So it's going to be somewhere around there competition we've loved the latest competition um so many entries so we set you the task dear podcast listeners of posting a picture over the bank holiday weekend of you running running with mates uh beautiful running scene 
we sort of put in that if you added some cheer charge bars, you'd get an extra, <laughs> you'd get an extra uh, little kudos. Uh, so many entries. Love it. Go and take a look on our Facebook page. It's beautiful group runs. There's sunsets. There's mid backyard ultra races. There's even a guy shampooing his hair in the waterfall. Um, there's something for everybody and tons and tons of dogs and a llama. So many entries. Um, we've both chosen. I saw two llamas at the weekend. They're quite vicious llamas, aren't they? These weren't. They were very placid. Wow. Being walked around uh, oh, just like a cat belt. Yeah, straight up. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> Who's your winner, Gary? Mine is Angela Green. I went a bit off script, you know. I didn't go for the Cheer Charge influence. It was the dogs. And she was out doing a recce of the leg one. Kong Lakes Ultra. It looked awesome up there. The pictures. So, yeah, Angela, you got my vote. Dog with big flappy ears. You can't resist. Oh, can't God. resist. I chose my winner uh, was Jay Butterfield. Go and check out his picture. He writes, I was lucky enough to spot a very shy, grated, greater salted chia in its natural environment while out whilst out around the Wainstone. It didn't stay around for long, but I was quick enough to take this picture before it scampered off. <laughs> yeah. I presume he meant into his stomach. Into his stomach, yeah. It's nothing like a salted caramel bar. Uh, on the top of a top of a mountain. Well done, you two. Get in touch. We will get Tim to send you some cheer charge goodies. You may even be a recipient of some peanut butter and uh, jelly, the new cheer charge flavour. Do you have that on your peanut butter sandwiches? Would you go jam? Oh, butter? yeah, every morning. That's what I have on my toast. Mm. Judgy, judgy there, Gary, weren't you? <laughs> no, I just uh, it probably is lovely, but um, it's not something I'd kind of naturally gravitate to. We've got some more reviews, Eddie. Of course, this, yeah, I thought this one was great because all the way over in Saudi Arabia, um, we have got what a reach. This is fantastic, but yeah, I knew it was international. I knew it was international. I, I wonder if this stats actually, you can see where people are listening to the uh, podcast. I, when I was a blogger and I used to write a blog and I could see the readership around the world, I used to have quite a few Russian readers. That yes. Made. What is it with Russians? <laughs> Maybe not now, but that was made me laugh. Uh, okay. What do they say? Well, Nothing nasty. I'm a bit weak and emotional. <laughs> no, it's, it's nothing too deep. Uh, so you found the podcast and what an excellent show with very funny content that relates so well to the trail and ultra running community. Keeps me connected to the UK and the hills and helps so much in planning my next challenge. Keep up the great work, guys. Cheers from the sandpit. Jay. Oh, oh, thanks, wow. Jay. Thank you. Thanks, Jay. Thanks for the review. Keep them coming in. You never know. You might get a shout out on the podcast. Dreams really do come true. Right. What you got coming up, Gary? Fill up, fill my bucket with your running. Uh... <laughs> what have I got coming up? Well, I, I well, Lisa's away this weekend to the lakes. How dare oh, she? she's allowed to leave the house. <laughs> yeah, she's off with the friends to do the espresso round. I think after I did it with Aaron. She was like, I fancy a bit of that. So her and some mates are going over there to do that. So I'll be home alone. But what I do want to do, when I've been doing my little filming videos, I really need an assistant. And I'm trying to persuade my son, George, to be my camera assistant out on the trails. So we'll see how that goes. Running-wise, two sessions, two big sessions. I think because I had such a big week last weekend, two big days on the trails, I'm maybe not such a big... Mm. run this weekend i think the miles will still be there but just not the elevation uh, uh, so that'd be fine but yeah if i could get george to come out with me and just it'd be such a massive help and also it'd be some wonderful time together which we don't because 
I am mindful. I am so lucky that I just get to wave goodbye to people on a Friday or a Friday night and, or Saturday morning and come home and all this other stuff. So Lisa's kept the fort together. So, but yeah, if I could share some of that time with George, I think that would be awesome. Training, probably one session on the bike. Other than that, I think that is me done. What about yourself? Have you seen the new format of Zwift? Have you been on your bike since they changed all the... Uh... Oh my goodness. Oh my God, it's going to blow your mind. I did two, I did three things. I didn't do the long run. I can't remember when the last time I was on Zwift, but it probably mid last week. I haven't been on it since. It's changed. I'm going to update it and it's completely different. I mean... Oh, it's going to break my little iPad that it doesn't like. It's quite an old iPad. Like the, yeah, my old computer, when it would be an update, it'd be like 40 minutes. And I'd be like, no, 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 that's my bike session. Yeah. You cannot take that. So yeah, well, do it now and then we'll, it'll be ready when you're next. Anyway, they've okay. changed that. It is slightly easier to use. This It's the same format of when you're actually on the bike, the Watts page, but it's just how you get there is a little bit different. I've started the Grand, what's it called? The Grand Fodorno. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I think I'm on week two, week three. Uh, yeah, we've got some good, I like the sessions because they're not... Um, 50 minutes, aren't they? Apart yeah, they're the about 50 one. minutes and then... And they're like not too hard. They're quite. But... No, I thought they were quite hard. <laughs> I don't think, to be honest, I don't think my FTP is quite as high as it could be. Oh, um, they, you know they, the system. Yeah, you know they flash up like this should you know you should be really hurting, and I'm like, yeah, not really hurting. Well, I've noticed this on some of mine. Sometimes it says that, and I think I'm I'm not hurting that much. But then at the end. I, yeah, I, I really am hurting. Nasty. So. That's it as well. I'm scared to put it up because I'm like, the last few do pinch a bit. So if I don't want to start then also I'm a little bit mindful that I don't want to blitz the, you know, let's just stay slightly in yeah. control. So, um, yeah, so I've got a few, I'm going to, I've just did one, one this morning, 10 by three minutes, um, which wasn't, again, I was like, I could possibly go a little bit harder on these, but then again, I think you have Cooling. to kind of... Let's cool it. Let's just build up, Eddie. Calm the jets. Uh, I'm going to do a couple more of those sessions. I'm going to do, um, trying to keep my Friday free so I can get a long, another long hike in um, with some mates. I think it's important when you're injured to feed your soul a bit with like stuff you, <laughs> I set up a new WhatsApp group with added my mates going, who wants to come hiking with me? No, this isn't like a, you know, will you? This is a, this is when we're going. Yeah. Come on, I need you now. Uh, I think it's really important to do stuff like that because otherwise as well, you can be quite uh, lonely because nobody wants to run with a, someone whining or hobbling. And then, you know, my, my, the only time I really see my running mates is running. You, you I'm know, quite anxious at the moment, although... My knee is okay. It's very, it still is quite hot and cold and I don't want to set up something with people. And then my knee just doesn't want to play that day. It's, oh, uh, I don't care. I just would tell them. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, go and meet me. And if it doesn't, we go in my pay yesterday. And yesterday I met a mate for hiking and I was just like, because as well, when you're running with your good friends, probably like when you're running with Justin, um, that you can be like, no, that's, you know, we need to slow down. There's no like ego. There's like, no. Uh, and there was a bit where we crossed the snow and I literally, I had to really bend the leg to get off the little step down and I couldn't bend the Achilles to oh, put the wow. weight through it. And so I had to like hold my mate to get down. So it's a little <laughs> bit like that when you're like, I just need a little bit of help here. But um, so I'm going to do hopefully a bit more hiking as long as, uh, so I did a big hike yesterday and it hasn't reacted today. So I take that as a good sign that, that it was happy with that. I hopefully fit in another on that. Lots more biking. Lots more. I mean, my calves are pretty big anyway. They're going to be the size of 
Inch. <laughs> Inch. There's no put more a tape skinny. measure on them. See what There's they are. no more skinny jeans, Freddie. But soon it'll be short season, so the uh, over it photograph. <laughs> we don't have a swimming pool. That's all shut. So we're in a period here in Morsey, in the interseason, it's called, in May, where the ski lifts are all shut, apart from if your kids are still skiing. My poor oldest kid is still going to be bussed up to the top of the mountain to go skiing. He's a little bit over it, but he's still doing that. But they close everything. So everything is shut. There's literally nobody here. When we first moved here in May, this time, seven, eight years ago, we were like, oh my God. Like even Cafour is only open for like two hours a day. There's nothing. There's nobody. It's like totally Whereas now when we're here, I really like it because there's nobody here. And yeah. I, so everything is shut and it's, you know, it's only for a month. So I'm going to enjoy the peace and quiet. It's so nice. Like the school run, it's just quiet. There's no... Um, Tourists, is that sound of it? Uh, it's just, I'm just going to appreciate it's that. It's nice when you've got it back, isn't it? It's um... yeah, it's but there's no swimming. They don't open swimming pool, so that's a bit sad because swimming and aqua jogging would be good, but that's only for me. So I will carry on. Hopefully next week when I speak to you, you hold me to uh, well, what does it, Gary? Hold me to account. Yeah, that uh, things will all be moving the right to trying to keep clinging on to positivity every day, uh, and let's see what next week holds. I've got an apology to make, actually. You've cheated. I told, I told a lie to somebody on on cat bills. <laughs> I'm not being racked with guilt afterwards. <laughs> Come on, splurge. It's a good place to splurge. We're all your friends. Well, I had my camera with me when I was filming with Neil on um, Sunday. And I had this enormous selfie stick. It's got three meters long. It is massive. Your selfie stick is enormous, Gary. <laughs> I've never seen one that big. It's huge. And I got quite a lot of people asking me, what, what is that? What are you doing? And they're really curious. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm just filming about a selfie stick. And then this bunch of people on Cat Bells asked me what, it, what, it, what I was doing. And I, I don't know why, but I just said, I'm filming for Country File. And then... <laughs> <laughs> just, just joked off. <laughs> I just, <laughs> and then did you just jog on? Yeah, I was like, oh yeah, keep watching. You might. Be... Oh, <laughs> I just... Gary, I'd never have you down as that. <laughs> oh, yeah, you just... feel chuckle all the way home. Going well, I chuckled and... for a little bit, and I just thought, oh, we shouldn't said that. I felt a bit bad about it afterwards. <laughs> That's hilarious. And they were like, and oh, the really? Picture. They were. They were quite enthusiastic that they might be on country files. I think that's probably why I felt a bit bad about it. Send us a picture of your selfie stick. Is it one that when you then... Um, it's an invisible then, selfie stick. I can't yes, take a picture of it. it's an invisible one, so you can't... That's but it was it was the talking point of quite a few people that we passed. Because I'd be there, just this guy with this enormous three-metre-long selfie stick. <laughs> My arm was killing me at the end of the day. No wonder. Oh, woe is you, for goodness sake. So apologies, yeah, if you open cat bells and some plonker <laughs> with a massive selfie stick. Don't have to keep watching Country File. It's not going to happen. You never know. They could see this incredible footage and uh, sign you up. Yeah, that'd be great. I do love a bit of country file. I have two country file calendars in my house because I love it so much. Everyone buys me one every Christmas. I love it. The kids grow on. If I, oh, I see country file on the planner, it's like, yes, 
like that. Antiques and then Antiques Roadshow. Does life get any better than that? I don't think oh, so. Oh, I don't know about Antiques Roadshow. I am. You love it when they have the things out that they're like, what is this used <laughs> for? And then you have the like, Bryn always gets smug with anything military. Is like, oh, yes, I knew that one. <laughs> My favourite programme is Inside the Factory. I would love, I would love, oh, they go into like a, what a topic for the podcast this is, but they go into, <laughs> it could be like, say, the Etonix biscuit uh, factory and they go in and they show you how to make, that would be my dream day. Oh, I love it. <laughs> my dream day would be a visit to the Etonix factory. Let's, let's sort it for you, Gary. I'm sure we can do. Well, I've got, I've got a thank you, actually. A friend uh, bought me a packet of Tunix biscuits. Peter Hatch, thank you very much, Peter. He's listening to the podcast. I had a lovely surprise when I came home on Sunday to a little packet of Tunix biscuits. So, yeah. Talking of surprises, hold the phone. Oh, oh my God, my cards. You can keep in the podcast. Oh, my God, my look what arrived. Eventually. <laughs> Oh my God, the kids are so chuffed. So if you're listening on the podcast, Gary has made, I think I want to say me, but the family, a medal holder. It's a beautiful blue colour, which matches my new kitchen. I think he did that on purpose. Oh, it's high risk it was. I tell you, I was like... It's a lovely glossy finish. It says Team Sutton and it's got quite a few medal um, hanging vessels. You're pretty... Bryn was laughing going, God, he's got high expectations of you uh, for all those hooks. And then it's got Run to the Hills with the Run to the Hills logo. It's an excellent size. Love it. And uh, we've already decided where it's going to go. We're having our kitchen painted next week. So it's going to be up in the kitchen and we're not going to hang any old medals on it. It's going to be medals of for future medals. Oh, the kids love it. Oh, my gosh. Oh, so please. It's brilliant. Thank you so much. What a lovely, thoughtful gift. So if you're it's travelled quite well. That, it's uh, travelled. But how absolutely. well has it travelled? It still looks absolutely brand new. And then we had to bring it back to France. And with all the hooks and stuff, and we didn't take bags. I was like, am I going to get this through? Anyway, they never said anything. Oh, please you like it. Thanks, when I get it up, and hopefully there might be, mum will be allowed one medal hanger. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Off it. If you're looking for a little gift, this is hashtag not an ad. Um, what a beautiful thing. I love a personalized present. Thank you. Right, we've digressed. Woof. Thanks to Cheer Charge for continuing to support the show, sending bars to guests, competition winners, keeping Eddie and I fueled in our adventures and generally being an all-round super supporter to everyone out on the trails. That was episode 88. My name's Gary Thwaites. I'm Eddie Sutton. And let's run to the hills.